This week's episode of Ave Explorers is sponsored by Sinner Saint Sister, a great Catholic podcast for Catholic women. Allison Sullivan hosts with a weekly guest tackling a variety of topics such as parenting, marriage, race, faith, a whole lot more. The new season just wrapped up with some great interviews. You're going to love them. Check it out by subscribing today on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcasts. That is Sinner, Saint, and Sister. The link is down in the show notes. I'm Katie Prejean McGrady, and this is Ave Explores. There's a phrase that gets turned around quite a bit, which is simply forgive and forget. We hear this phrase in regards to lots of things. It's thrown around on television shows. Occasionally, you might even hear it on the news. Most frequently, it's said, I feel like, among friends and family. Oh, forgive and forget, move on. That's the quickest way to heal. But is it? I mean, there's certainly something to be said about forgetting the harms of the past, forgetting moments where there has been pain caused, forgetting things that perhaps are even triggering or are not healthy to dwell on. But I don't think we can actually arrive at forgetting anything until we have forgiven. And the forgiving is a lot harder than it might seem. And so that phrase, forgive and forget, gets tossed about and thrown around so casually, and yet it's something quite serious. And in fact, something quite Catholic to try to contemplate what those realities are that lead to forgiveness, that lead to forgetting, or that lead to a healed memory of the hurt. Now, that might sound quite philosophical right at the jump, and it's because today's conversation with Heather and Jake Kim digs into this idea of what a wound actually is and how forgiveness leads to a restoration, not a forgetting that we just wipe the slate clean and we never know that that occurred because that in and of itself would not be good. If I just forget the past harms, then there's no way that I can ever move beyond, move forward to a place of actually understanding what occurred, why it hurt me, and how to not only avoid it in the future, but to recognize that I am better, even though I might still remember it. Now, I'm talking about the memory, I'm talking about these concepts and these ideas of knowing our, heal, uh, our wounds and how we can arrive to a place of healing. This is all done in a very practical way in today's episode, where we dig into, again, the themes of Sister Miriam James Heidland's Lenten journal, Restore, but this time we do it with two people who share very honestly, very vulnerably, about their journey, about their marriage, about the struggles that they've faced, about the way that they've arrived at a place of healing, and now how, through the grace of God, they're able to help others find that healing. This is, of course, a conversation that I, I think is going to enlighten a number of us, especially as we hear their story and learn what they did to arrive at a place of healing, arrive at a place of where there's been forgiveness and new memories formed, but they've certainly not forgotten. And they've allowed that memory to, to help them serve others, but also continue to be in that place of healing within their lives. All of this conversation about forgiveness, about healing, about restoration, this is all part of our Lenten series for Ave Explorers, digging into Sister Miriam James Heidland's book, Restore. Now, Lent is coming rapidly to a close. We only have a couple of weeks left, almost at the door of Holy Week. But you can still find time to take advantage of everything that we've created. Click on over to AveMariaPress.com. You'll find all of our podcast conversations, Instagram Lives, the video conversations that have been wonderful about fasting, about almsgiving, with a variety of different people, voices that I'm sure will be very fruitful for you to listen to. 
We'd love it if you'd subscribe to the podcast as well so you never miss anything. And subscribe to our emails. Find them at AveMariaPress.com. But for now, we'd love it if you'd sit back and enjoy this conversation with Heather and Jake Kim about healing, forgiveness, and our wounds. Well, Heather and Jake, welcome to Ave Explorers. Thank you. Thanks Thanks for having us. It's so good to see you this morning. Yeah, Yeah. thank you. We're always excited to get to chat with folks. And it's always a treat when we get to chat with married couples because it brings, I think, a whole nother perspective to the conversations that we're having. And and this season on Ave Explorers, digging into the book with Sister Miriam, what it means to truly be restored in the season of Lent. I mean, how has Lent been for you guys? How has this season of restoration been? Well, you know, Lent, I used to love Lent. Like I was like, you know, the hardcore young adult that was like, bring it on, like all the hard. And and then as I got older, I feel like I kind of got softer. I was like, ah, Lent, you know, you just start to maybe dread it a little bit. But, you know, just more recently in life, I've just started to call to mind, like, what is the purpose of this? It's not about box checking. It's not about like just getting something off my list or an obligation, but it's an opportunity to really draw close to Jesus, to draw close in intimacy with Jesus and and look at what my idols are and the things that I'm craving that aren't him, you know? And so just reorienting where my loves are and bringing it back to him again. So, so it's been good in that sense that it's like, it doesn't feel like drudgery right now. So that's good, yeah. even though it might be hard. So. Yeah, I think for me, the one of the things that always comes up in Lent is it asks us to reevaluate our image of God because if Lent has been this time where I have to do a bunch of stuff, so on Easter, God will be happy with me. I think we've missed something (laughs) where really Lent is where the church is, you know, explicitly saying relationship with Jesus leads to change and it leads to transformation. So it's like this season of really focusing on areas that maybe we need to change or things we need to do to facilitate transformation and change. And so I know, you know, when you have kids or when life's busy or full, it feels like I'm already in Lent. I'm in Lent like 52 (laughs) weeks of the year, not just like, you know, six weeks, whatever. But I think it's just beautiful how the church focuses in on saying transformation is a key part of discipleship. And so it's not always easy, but it's good. Yeah. Yeah. That that checklist mentality is something that I think we all fight against in the spiritual life in general. But especially in Lent, because like the church tells us, like, these are things you need to do. Like you need to fast and you need to pray and you need to give alms. And so it's almost like in my head, am I doing those things every single day? And it's not, how is that changing me? It's just, am I getting it done mm-hmm. so I could post about it on social media or so I can just like know to myself that like, okay, like I'm doing okay. It feels like we've been in Lent since March of 2020, just kind of like permanently at times. And so yeah. what more could the Lord be asking of me sacrifice-wise? I mean, you mentioned kids, Jake, like if you've got families, it's sometimes even hard to try to fit in the spiritual growth for yourself. Cause like, you also want to make sure your kids are getting something out of it. Mm-hmm. And then those activities become stressful. Cause it's like, am I just baking cookies for Lent or like, I'm not supposed to bake cookies. It just, it becomes a lot as yeah. people kind of navigate through this book. One of the things I think sister has done is really give people space to kind of pull back and think about those internal movements and less the checklist and that theme of restoration. And by the end of it, we should be closer to Christ, not just I've done all these things and restored in some way. What, what does that word restoration mean to y'all specifically in terms of the Lenten season? Mm -hmm. Restoration is a huge theme for us 
personally, I mean, I think it is for the Christian life, of course, but, but for us personally, I mean, it has been a massive part of our journey individually, but also together as a couple. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because, you know, I grew up Catholic, went to church every Sunday, didn't always like it, but I mean, I, you know, I did all the things and, and then at some point in high school had this pretty significant encounter with God where I knew that he was real and, and then got into ministry very early on and went to Franciscan university and did all these things, you know, so I was like in a pretty Catholic environment for a long time. But I don't know why, but I just didn't really understand or hear the message clearly that God can and wants to restore us even here on this side of heaven. Mm-hmm. So there was a part of me that just always thought, okay, like we just suffer here and try to do our right. best. And then hopefully we get to heaven. And then it's like every, all the tears are washed away and that's scriptural, right? So there's a part of that. That's like, it's really true. The fullness of joy and happiness and everything is going to be in heaven. But mm-hmm. I didn't know that God has the power and the desire to heal and restore us right now, maybe mm-hmm. not to the fullness of everything that we're going to experience in heaven, but but in significant ways. And I, I just didn't know that. I guess in there, I thought we just carry our cross and and really try hard and walk around and suffering is a part of, of life. That's true. That is true. But it didn't lead to resurrection in my belief system or in my mind mm-hmm. in practical and tangible ways. And that's really been a journey for Jake and I especially early on in our marriage where there was like some massive things that came up and hurt and everything between us that required us to put, it was like, here's where the rubber meets the road. Is God really who he says he is? And can he restore these broken things? Mm. Because if not, we're lost. One, our marriage is over. And two, like, what are we even doing? You know, it just like shook the whole foundation of our belief system. And as we journeyed through that stuff and, and started to experience like the, that true right resurrection power of Jesus active in our life. I think it just blew the doors off of everything that I had believed up until that point. Mm. Yeah. I mean, now I just approach things in a, in a completely different way. So yeah. you say Jake. Yeah. I think the, the concept of restoration, I mean, just when you look at the word, like it implies that you're going back to something that has been lost. And I think that there is an original glory that we've all been given and it was lost and sin is the way that it's lost and the way that we've been impacted by that. And so Lent to blend the two ideas together is about returning back to an original glory being restored to an original dignity and brought back into relationship and communion with God as it was always intended to. So I think, I mean, restoration personally for me has been, it's a major, it's, you know, it's almost, it's so much of what I think about. I don't, I, I don't see the world apart from it. Right. But when I work with people in my counseling practice, I, I realize that a lot of times people aren't sure they like the idea of it. But when it comes to the actual, what do you do? How do you experience restoration? I think that's where people start to get a little, it becomes difficult a little bit. Mm-hmm. So one idea is the word metanoia. It's a word, maybe if you're into your faith, you've heard, or maybe you've heard a homily on it. But when you simplify the word, it's actually very, very practical and very applicable to restoration. And metanoia, meta means change. Noia means your mind or your thoughts. And so it literally means to change your thinking about life, to change your thinking about where happiness comes from. So when Jesus says, 
repent, the kingdom of God is at hand, or metanoia, I'm here. It means change your thoughts about where you're going to go for life and happiness, because I'm here and I want mm -hmm. to give you that. Now, the practicals of changing thinking, there's a lot that could be done there. Instead of restoration, I think it can be vague, but when you zoom in, there's some really practical things that can be addressed that really bring about restoration. So am I thinking with the mind of God and his thoughts about me, or am I thinking the world's thoughts or my own thoughts or my wounds, thoughts, et cetera? That's such a, an interesting idea of the change of thinking that has to happen in so many different parts of our life. The change uh, the, of the thoughts about myself, the, the thoughts that maybe I have about my kids, about what I am or am not doing that's good enough by the standards the world sets or the standards social media sets, the the thoughts that I might have walked into marriage with and then very quickly realized, oh my gosh, like this is not what I was expecting. You, you all alluded to some of the restoration that had to happen within your relationship. And, and your story is one that I think resonates with a lot of people mm -hmm. because it shows, I think every married couple, oh yeah, like, okay, I'm not alone. <laughs> and that mm -hmm. this was not as easy as I thought it was going to be. Or B, that like there's constant work to be done. Mm -hmm. You know, like there's constant restoration. We're just going to keep using that word that, that needs to, to occur within our relationships. But Heather, you said something that, that struck me that restoration happens for myself. And the, the only thing I could keep thinking was and communally, right? Like when I change my thinking, when I begin to experience that healing, that has an effect on everything around me. It's almost like when you yeah. yank the weeds out of the garden, everything can flourish. Mm -hmm. And if not, then the weeds will choke everything out. And I, I think we're knocking on the door of the theme that sister really dug into this week, which is forgiveness, that a lot of, of restoration work starts when we begin to forgive mm -hmm. the people around us. We begin to forgive ourselves. We begin to experience forgiveness. I'd like to dig into what that word means in relation to restoration and maybe mm -hmm. how that's how those weeds get pulled up and the whole everybody and everything can start to heal. When we say that word forgiveness, What's your first reaction and what do you think people need to think about in terms of forgiveness? Yeah, I think forgiveness, it implies something that if you don't acknowledge that's there, it doesn't make any sense. And mm -hmm. what, what forgiveness implies is that something happened that shouldn't have happened. And so forgiveness is like, I've got to maybe not be mad at this person anymore who is mean to me. I mean, that's a really overly simplified word, <laughs> but if we, if we get to really the more deeper stuff is this person abused me, this person abandoned me, this person stole from me. And so there's a hurt that comes from that, whether it be an injustice or the harm or a stealing of innocence, that is a wound. That's how we're hurt. So whenever there's an absence of love, we're wounded. Mm. And so when the absence of love occurs to us, we have to respond to that in some way to the person who hurt us. And one of the ways you can hold a grudge, you can get them back. There's other options. And, the, and Jesus very specifically presents the option of forgiveness. Mm. And so if you're trying to forgive, but you don't acknowledge there's a wound, it'll be really shallow and it'll be just kind of this thing that you feel like you have to do to be able to make things right. So sister talks about the value of taking a full account of what has been done to you and not kind of minimizing anything. Right. So that's hard to do, but it's necessary because you're actually acknowledging everything that occurred. 
And then I think the second part about forgiveness that's really important with regard to healing is that you have a choice of whether or not you're going to forgive, but the consequences of if you choose to forgive or not forgive, they're there. In other words, you can choose to walk through this door or not, but if you do, things will happen. If you don't, things will happen. And so it's never something that's forced upon us, but it's actually something that can actually bring about healing. Here's the analogy I use for people when we talk about forgiveness. And that's if I lend my neighbor my car and they say, here's your car, or can I borrow your car? Sure. I give them the keys, they drive off and they get into a, a major crash. And then the car's coming back with the wheels falling off and the doors flinging open, et cetera. And, he's, and they sit there and they get out of the car and go, I am so sorry. Well, there's two things that are going on here. One, there's a relational dynamic. And two, there's a broken car dynamic. Mm. And so forgiveness is different than reconciliation or restoration. What forgiveness means is that I can say, you owe me a new car and you owe me based on justice and you owe me the healing of my trust with you. Mm. That's part one. But part two for restoration to occur is we need to get things back to how they were in the beginning. We need the car to be put back in right order. We need a new car or the car to be fixed. So forgiveness doesn't mean the car gets fixed. That's restoration. And so a lot of people, I think when they think about forgiveness, they go, oh, that means I've got to be okay. And then we're going to be friends again. Not necessarily like the car could be a symbol of the relationship. The car could be a symbol of intimacy. Mm-hmm. So you may not be able to actually get to intimacy again even though you can forgive them and say, I don't, I'm not going to hold you liable for this and hold it over your head to where you have to pay me back for that. I'm releasing my right for you to give me back justice. Mm. But that doesn't mean that the car is fixed. I can Mm. forgive you and still be sitting with a broken car. Forgiveness and fixing the car, that's restoration. That's Mm -hmm. the whole thing. So forgiveness is a key part, but it's not the whole picture. And many people right now are probably thinking, yeah, okay, I can forgive, but this will never, ever be restored. This Mm. is so broken. And maybe they don't want it. You know, they don't want restoration Mm -hmm. because maybe restoration in their mind looks like something that might not even be appropriate for the relationship. So say there was abuse or something. Well, I don't want that relationship restored, you know. But it's a di- the what I would say there is that God can restore things within our hearts. It doesn't mm-hmm. always have to involve the other person. Right. That things that have been stolen from us, things that have been taken, or even if we don't forgive ourselves for things, when we go through that process, that there can be like a restoration of glory instead of shame there. Mm-hmm. That there can be a restoration of like wholeness instead of mm-hmm. brokenness, that all things come back together again. And that's the work of God. So it's like we have to collaborate with God in a sense to say, Lord, I want to use my will here to like offer forgiveness, but I also can't like fix all of this myself. That's impossible right. because I'm not the savior, but but you are. And you're the one that puts all things back together again. I mean, that's the scripture in Isaiah. Mm-hmm. That Jesus, you know, says again in Luke, where he's like, you know, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and he's anointed me. And then he talks about to set the captives free and to restore the things that are that are long lost again. Mm -hmm. So he's the only one who can do that level of restoration. Our participation in that is to say, you know, I choose to forgive and to let it go. Mm -hmm. But even for that, I can't do that 
on my own power. Like right. I have to beg God to help me to do that. Like right. Jesus, please give me the grace to forgive. And sometimes that's a daily thing. It's not a one and done for a lot of relationships. Yeah. And I know people say, Hey, forgive and forget, but I'm like, we don't forget. We no. don't, but can God heal our memories and can he bring peace to those places that we mm-hmm. will, you know, recall in our mind? Absolutely. And Jake and I have experienced that so deeply in our marriage and in our own life. I think maybe we can share just a little bit if it's okay. Yeah, I was, was going to say, if y'all would like to share some of that story, I think there's, there's a lot of benefit there. Yeah. I remember apart from all the details, let's just say that there were things that I had done that really hurt our marriage very deeply. And I hadn't told Heather about them for the first two years of our marriage. And so it was, uh, I was lying and mm-hmm. basically it's a version of infidelity that I was operating in pornography addiction. And so I remember very clearly the day I finally confessed, I guess you would say to Heather, the full story of what was going on. And it was probably, you know, that happened and I'm, I'm, the time starts to blur because it's just right. so emotional. So I think it was about 12, maybe 18 hours later, Heather said to me, I forgive you. And in the moment, I had no recollection of those words actually being said because Heather actually had to tell me later on that I actually, that she actually said that to me because mm-hmm. I was so flooded by it. And so filled with shame. Yeah. I mean, it was devastating yeah. for both of us in different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what Heather was doing there, which later on, I really appreciated the meaning of is basically she was saying, I'm releasing you of the you owe me thing. Mm -hmm. However, our relationship is not healthy and we are, we need to get it healthy. Otherwise the relationship won't continue. Right. And so the I, you owe me was, was released very, very quickly. And that's, that's crazy. And it takes a lot of courage. And I know Heather probably didn't feel like doing it. I had no feelings about that. Like that were positive. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) It was pure choice at that point, you know? I mean, that'd be interesting to hear. Maybe you could hear about why you did that. But I think it's our story is a real clear example about the difference between forgiveness and restoration, or maybe how they, they are a progression. Mm -hmm. We would not still be married if there wasn't restoration, Mm -hmm. but we couldn't have experienced restoration without first starting with forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And I didn't actually think at that point that this could be restored. I mm-hmm. I was shattered, totally shattered. Mm-hmm. Like it was like he, this came out and my heart just fell right through to my shoes. Like mm-hmm. I was completely blindsided and shattered. And I, you know, trust is a big thing for me. So I was like, mm-hmm. there's no way that I'm ever going to be able to trust him again. Also, mm-hmm. who are you? Who am I married to? Like how many other lies are there? You know, just like mm-hmm. the whole thing just unraveled in a really profound way. And, you know, I can honestly say like, this is the power of God because trust was restored. It took a few years, you know, there was some triggers and stuff we had to work through, but and it took a lot of yeah, counseling, healing retreats, fasting, praying, like mm-hmm. all of these things to big, like, long lengths, big, long yeah. lengths. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. There was a lot of work that we had to do in cooperation with grace. Mm-hmm. But I can honestly say, you know, like I do trust Jake with my whole heart. And it's important to say too, that when that came out, that was the last time that Jake ever fell into that sin. Mm. God worked a miracle that yeah. only he could, because there was mm-hmm. addiction at play. There was, yeah. you know, other wounds at play that even got Jake into that place that, that weren't his fault, you know, mm-hmm. at the beginning. 
And so it took both of us to open wide the door of our heart to say, God, like we cannot save ourselves here, but we absolutely need you. And early on in the Mm -hmm. process, like I remember praying, just weeping in a church before I was like getting ready to play music for mass. I'm like, how am I even (laughs) going to get through this? So I'm just like (laughs) singing my heart out to God. Mm -hmm. And I remember him saying, Heather, the only way to new life is through the cross. And are Mm -hmm. you willing to go there with me? Like, I Mm -hmm. will go with you, but will you go there with me? And I said, yes, Lord, yeah. I will. And and it was through tears and pain and all of that mm-hmm. stuff. So it doesn't have to look nice and pretty and tied up right. in a ball, though we want it to. It just needs to be real. And there needs to be openness there. Mm-hmm. So I think on every level of forgiveness, whether it's a little thing or a big thing, the point is that God desires us to be free. He mm-hmm. really desires us to be free, whether we need to forgive ourselves or forgive another person. And what he can do with that freedom and the fruit that comes from living in the freedom of love and in relationship with God, it will blow our minds, actually. I really do believe that, and I've experienced that. I hope you're enjoying this conversation with Heather and Jake Kim. It was wonderful to get to visit with them. We are always so grateful for the great folks who join us in partnering with Ave Explorers to sponsor these efforts. And we are so, so grateful that Sock Religious has chosen to be our podcast sponsor for this season. They recently did an awesome sock madness competition where the ultimate winner of all of the socks was Mother Teresa. No surprise there. You can find out all of their great products, all of the awesome things that they're creating. T-shirts, window clings, kids toys, cups, and of course socks. So many great things to help you evangelize in creative ways, to help you share the faith far beyond just saying, hey, I'm Catholic. But, you know, literally wearing your faith on your ankles and on your sleeves. So find out more at SockReligious.com. Use code AVE10 for a discount. The link is down in our show notes. All right, back to the conversation with Heather and Jake Kemp. There's something profound that happens. Like when she said, I forgive you, Jake, that then instantly, it's almost like your guard gets put down, right? Like you're, you know, like you're ready to be defensive of, Well, I admitted, I admitted I did this horrible thing, like whatever that might be, you know, and, 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 and I think in marriages, sometimes it's, it's big colossal stuff. And sometimes it's just, it's yeah. little things that over time chip away and you know exactly how to wound the person that you're closest to. And like yeah. my husband and I have a, we call it our safe word when we're fighting. Cause it's like, <laughs> okay, now we're crossing to a threshold of like, I'm going to start saying things that I know really hurt you. And yeah. you're going to say things that really, mm-hmm. so nope, we're This is the word that cuts it off. And we go to our separate corners and then we yeah. can come back and it's, it's a counseling mm. trick. It's how to, it's, it's yeah. something we had to learn how to do to be able to, to fight well, essentially. Sure. But there's something disarming almost of like a person that approaches you and says, I forgive you. Like, yes, this wrong has occurred. Yes. This, this car is broken. This marriage is, is injured. This, this relationship, you know, I, like I think of when I say to my daughter, I'm sorry, how disarming that is to her, like, oh, mom's admitting fault. And then like that Mm -hmm. response back of like, it's okay, mommy, like, I'm sorry too, or I forgive you. Mm -hmm. This social component that like the church doesn't work. Our relationships don't work. The church doesn't work. Our world doesn't work. If we're not willing to engage in that, that hard work of Mm -hmm. forgiveness and healing, Mm -hmm. but it's scary. And mm-hmm. Father John talked all the way back in week one about the desert being a place of wildness. And mm-hmm. we much prefer our nice little gardens where there's a fence <laughs> and there's, you know, like there's order. Mm-hmm. 
And yet when we step into the wilderness of, of Lent, essentially, like all these things start to get dredged up and we start to dig into those moments where people have said that to us and it was hard or those moments where we should have said it, but we didn't. And then all that work that maybe we got shoved to the side. I'm curious to know, I mean, in your lives, obviously it takes time. Time is a huge component to the forgiveness and to the healing, Mm -hmm. but yet Lent is like six and a half weeks. And then we often just jump right back into the celebration of Easter. Okay. Like I'll deal with that in a year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What is it that people maybe need to really hear when it comes to, okay, like this work needs to continue on and maybe like, what do I need to do to keep doing this hard work? Like, is it a matter of finding a therapist or reading the book a second time or like, you know, just, does this make sense like this? It's not a one and done thing. Like there's a process here. How how do we engage in that process well past Good Friday? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's funny because I remember when we were going through this, it was coming up to Lent, you know, and I was like, okay, like if we can just, you know, like figure this out by Easter, you know, you have these hopes. It's like, can it, this just align really sweetly with this season? That'd be great. You know, and then Easter came and I was still a shattered mess, you know? So yeah, the process is like, can be very long, even, even years sometimes. And I think for us, it's important to realize like we, we couldn't do this on our own. We could not do this on our own. So Jake Mm -hmm. immediately went to two good guy friends of his who were equipped to accompany him. Well, they weren't struggling in the same area. So they're not going to be like, yeah, bro, I get it. And then that's it. Like there's nothing that goes on. There was accountability. There was Jake willingly submitting to a process of healing. He's saying, I want this, not something imposed upon him. Mm-hmm. So like an agreement with, yeah, I want, I need to journey with people. There was counseling involved for me and for Jake and together, you know, so we needed community to help us heal. And there was a lot of steps. There was healing retreats and various things. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of that that's available to people now. Mm-hmm. We often don't know. We don't, ha- we aren't equipped to know how to navigate these things that are so deep within the heart. Mm-hmm. But there are people who are equipped to do that. And so, mm-hmm. you know, Dr. Bob Schutz has a healing, sent JP2 healing, yeah. where they do long retreats and stuff like that for people. But, you know, getting in, involved with a good counselor who can help navigate these things, it's like, if my leg was broken, I'm going to go to a doctor, you know? Right. So get over how much it costs and just call <laughs> a counselor because they're an expert in navigating these things and they can really help. What would you mm-hmm. say, Jake? I think, I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind, it might be way overly simplified, but I think the only way you're actually going to stay on a journey of healing is that if you sincerely admit that something's wrong, Mm. because if there isn't a sincere, deep admittance that something's wrong, then you'll go through the motions and then move on. Like I did my duty of what I needed to do during Lent, and now I'm going back to everyday life, but Lent is really about a time of acknowledging that things aren't right in myself and in the world. That's why there's this heightened season of it. The simple way that I say it to myself and other people is it's coming to terms with reality. And I mean that in the most basic sense that I can say it is that what is the reality of the situation here? Like when I look at my life, when I pause and do my exam at the end of the day, like, why do I do the things that I do? And why don't I do the good things that I should? Mm. Something's wrong. And it's not getting better just by doing X, Y, Z that I think what it means to be a good Catholic. But if I can't come to terms with something's wrong, then I won't stay on the healing process. The problem with admitting that something's wrong is that it immediately tests whether or not we believe Jesus is who he says he is. Mm. 
Jesus is really convenient when it, he, we don't have to put our faith in him. But when we're in desperate need, our faith is immediately tested. Is it true or is it not true? Mm. Can I handle it? Can I not? Am I willing to give up control? Am I not? And so the reality of the situation is we are desperately in need and we are not as we were meant to be. And if I can come to terms with that, then all of a sudden healing, restoration, it becomes a way of life because you continually grow in seeing that. I would say this is exactly what the saints did. They might not have used the word of healing or restoration. I think they would have used the words of sanctity or holiness. Mm -hmm. They're exactly the same thing. And I think a lot of times people now go, no, those are opposed. No, it's actually the very similar. It's very similar. I would even contend they're exactly the same thing. Pope mm -hmm. Benedict even actually talks about in his book, Jesus of Nazareth, that the entirety of the gospel is about healing. Mm. And so what, what is it? It's things being put back in right order. The catechism mm -hmm. talks about Jesus came to restore man to the purity of his origins. In other words, there's a restore us to how we were originally intended and designed. If I don't admit I have a problem, I have no need of restoration. If mm -hmm. I do admit I have a problem, another one emerges is, do I actually believe Jesus and do I trust that he can do something about it? Those are tough dynamics. And that's why I think a lot of people kind of go, oh, there's the restoration exit. How about let's just keep driving? Let's just <laughs> not take that. I don't want to go there because it's where I think people's faith really come. It's really seen for what it is. And, you know, the leap of faith concepts, that's really where you, you take the leap of faith. I think one more thing for Heather and I, I don't even know why this is in our vocabulary and in our world is that we don't like mediocrity mm. for some reason, maybe we're perfection. I don't know. We don't, <laughs> we don't like mediocrity. Sure. It'd be easier if we did, but yeah, right. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Skate and through life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, it's okay. Everything's fine, but it's not okay. And it's not fine. I think part of it is that we have a hard time I would say I've grown in this area of having a hard time lying to myself or not telling myself what's true because I've seen the toll that that takes. I mean, it's a dramatic impact when I'm not being honest about reality. And now that I've seen the, the problems that that, I feel like I can't just continue on in mediocrity. Like, oh, it doesn't really matter because it does. Like my brokenness as a man and as a husband and as a father affect the people around me mm -hmm. dramatically. I see it in my work with people, right? Like people are desperate for people to love them and to love them well. And that's very hard for me to just go, eh, whatever, no big deal. I have a really hard time with that. And so the mediocre acceptance of mediocrity is just not okay with me. And I, I can't come to terms with that. And I think that there's an, a holy thing going on there because I'm an always in need of further healing and further restoration because I'm a broken man who's being restored. And the thing I don't like is you can go the other way and go, mm. I'm so broken and I'm always broken and I'm always this. And I don't like that either. I'll caveat this probably pretty well. I have a huge respect for the 12 step program. Mm -hmm. I do not like when they say once an addict, always an addict mm. because they're making an identity statement. And you have to be careful when you claim an identity as an addict, because I would say that's not your God-given identity. Your mm -hmm. God-given identity is a son or daughter of God. Mm -hmm. Because if you're once an addict, 
always an addict, that means you'll be an addict in heaven. Mm -hmm. And now the theology blows up and it doesn't work anymore. So we're in desperate need of saving. And apart from God, we can't do that. And yeah, I think I think what Jake is saying that is standing out to me too is, you know, this challenges our trust, right? Mm -hmm. In God. We've said this at the beginning, kind of again, and we're saying it. And I, I think it's important to just this is an opportunity in the church right now where we're hearing all the readings at mass. We're about to enter into pretty soon into the Easter season where we're going to hear all these resurrection stories and power and miracles and all of that. And I think sometimes we go, Oh, that just happened 2000 years ago. You know, it's in the Bible. And also subconsciously, we might even be thinking this is a great story, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if it's really real, you know? And so I think we need to ask for the gift of faith. Like, God, please give me this. It is a gift to be given to us. And God wants to give us this gift to so say, God, like, please give me this gift of faith so that I can believe and trust in who you really are, that you aren't just a passive, you know, far away, distant being that is uninterrupted by the things of my life, that you actually are love itself and your love is passionate for me and you desire me to be whole and to be in union with you and union with my brothers and sisters and my family and my community. Mm -hmm. And so the power of God that we see in the scriptures is still the same. Like he's the same God. Jesus is still alive and well. He's a person with a body and hopefully we're going to see that person one day and mm -hmm. hug him and be with him. Like he's a real person, mm -hmm. but he's also the savior. And so I, I just want to encourage people, you know, it's okay to acknowledge where you are, you know, even mm -hmm. for myself, faith can be hard sometimes. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. here I am, I'm a speaker. I do all these things, but I'm, I'm like asking for the gift of faith a lot, you mm -hmm. know, because I can get hit with doubt and all of that. But I'm like, I just, Lord, I choose you. Like, I really mm -hmm. want you to come into these places that are broken. So yeah, just an encouragement to like, try to come before God with just openness, maybe even mm -hmm. this Sunday when you go to church and to just say, really, Lord, I just come as I am. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The good, the bad, the ugly. And please give me the gift of faith and also courage to step into these places where I need to forgive myself, mm -hmm. forgive others, and also to be able to experience the restoration that, that he desires for us. Yeah. Such great stuff. Where where can we follow you guys and and learn more about your work and and continue to dig into this topic, which is something y'all have have really spent a lot of time on? Yeah, there's a few places. So first of all, this isn't a promotion, but just if it would help people, Jake yeah. and I share our full story, but what mm -hmm. we're talking about with you on his podcast, Restore the Glory with Dr. Bob Schutz, but we share the fullness of the story there. And wow. on our website, liferestoration.ca, you can find resources for all of those things. We just put some things in that could be helpful for people. I have a podcast, Abiding Together, so people can find us there. And Jake has another podcast, Way of the Heart. We're just like podcast crazy. <laughs> like goes along with the amount of puppies we have <laughs> puppies and podcasts. so yeah we're on instagram facebook and we can be found there and also life restoration is our ministry that we do here and do events and stuff like that so awesome. heather's way more into the social media thing i i can't figure it quite out yet <laughs> yeah the podcast we really pour a lot into those and so it's a it's a great way people could journey with us in our <laughs> the three that we do so mm -hmm. we'll have all the links in the show notes thank you guys so much for taking thank the you. time thank thanks you. good to be with you One of the things that I'm always so struck by with the great privilege of getting to do these interviews is when our guests lead us to a place of authentic 
vulnerability. When they are willing to look into what is often a Zoom camera and share their heart in a really profound and beautiful way. And one of the things that I'm, I'm always so grateful for is when I know that those conversations listened to by you and by so many others are truly helping change the way people live their faith day by day. We got an email after one of our podcasts a couple of weeks ago that something that Sister Josephine said had prompted somebody to finally pick up the phone and start looking for a therapist. I was chatting with somebody on Instagram about the Instagram Live that we did with Joel Stepanek about fasting and how he said that a lot of times we try to advertise what we're doing in our Lent, but it's actually this very intimate thing, the same way that we don't share every conversation we have with our spouse on social media. We shouldn't necessarily advertise everything that's going on in our heart during Lent. And so I know without a shadow of a doubt that these conversations happening on our podcast, happening in our social media spaces, the book that Sister Miriam James Heidland has written that many of us are using as we walk through Lent, these conversations, this content is helping people in their faith. And that's a great honor. And it's a great honor to know that Heather and Jake shared so beautifully. You can check out a lot more about their awesome ministry at the link down in our show notes, the amazing work that they get to do. Like they said, they are up in Canada, but they travel to the States quite a bit. If you're ever interested in learning more, you can check out their website and learn more about them. Heather, of course, is one of the co-hosts of Abiding Together, so you can hear her every week on that excellent podcast as well. We're always so grateful that you spent some time with us here on Ave Explorers. We'll be back next week with an excellent conversation with Father Joe Laramie about Holy Week and sacrifice and suffering. So we hope you join us again. You won't miss anything if you sign up for our emails over at AveMariaPress.com. They'll come straight to your inbox. We'd love it if you'd join us there. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit Spokestreet.com.